Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast. It's season two, episode 35. My name is Luke Hatfield, alongside me in the doldrums of the Express and Star building. It's Matt Wilson, our West Brom reporter. Matt, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. A bit tired after the uh, trip to Manchester last night, but um, I'm sure we'll come on to that. Uh, apart from that, I'm all good. Good weekend off as well, Saturday and Sunday. I was working Sunday. Oh, was you? Oh, uh, what a so shame. wasn't that good. What was your Saturday good at least? Saturday was brilliant, yeah. Very good, very nice. We had a... Um, a uh, Pretend Mother's Day. So Pretend Mother's Day. What about Father's Day? Well, it was Mother's Day on Sunday, wasn't it? So Yeah, so why is it Pretend Mother's Day? Because it, it it was on Saturday. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Well. Because I was working Sunday. Yeah, I'll get it now. You understand? I had a little bit of a brain fart, I'm not going to lie. Um, to the delight of everyone, or not everyone, that our one reviewer, we're actually going short on the banner section today. Okay. They're going to be thrilled about it. Good trip to Manchester for you yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it enjoyable. was enjoyable. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, I suppose, quite a one-sided game. But um, I don't think the Albion um, youngsters disgraced themselves by any stretch of imagination, considering the team they're up against. Um, and it, it uh, you know, it's the end of a fantastic cup run for them. First time they've reached, well, it's the first time they'd even reached the quarterfinals in forty-one years. So to get to the semis is fantastic. And when you look at the teams they they beat on the way. Mm. Um, I think Albion fans and people, you know, inside the club are very excited and should be very excited about about that group of players. and And there's a possibility that a number of them could, in the next three, four, five years, uh, could break into the first team. Yeah, and I think outside of uh, the Albion kind of circle, shall we say, a lot of people don't realise just how much talent. Albion have produced I think they see a lot of the big clubs like Man City producing players like Jaden Sancho and that's all well and good but I think something that I think the BBC highlighted it fairly well in their recent article about it was the amount of local talent at West Brom I mean it's astounding yeah um, and it's it's to do with a number of things so um, it starts with recruitment so mm. it starts with Steve Hopcroft who is in charge of junior recruitment and he um, is very diligent um, and his band of, of scouts in, in in watching as many youth games as they can mm-hmm. in the surrounding area in Birmingham um, in the Black Country and and the West Midlands um, and they they get them in at a young age and then they um, then and then they teach them you know the right ways to play football and it's not just about the pathway for the players it's the fact that at Arms Academy you've got a pathway for the coaches so mm. you've got the likes of um, Mike Scott who's the under 18s boss who has come up from the 12 to 16 programme you've got Jamie Smith who used to be um, 18s boss is, current, is now officially at 23s boss this season and now he's currently working with the first team you've got yeah. Jimmy Shan who has gone from under sevens all the way through and is now first team coach, caretaker charge of of the first team. You know, this was a, a this was a model started by Dan Ashworth when he was academy manager, but that has been taken on by Mark Harrison in, in the last 11, 12, 13 years. Mm. And Mark Harrison is a really crucial um, member of 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 the Albion of Albion's club, and we are now starting to see. You know, you think about a lot of these these players, the under 18s who have been here since they were 
seven or eight. Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're now seeing 10 years later, we're seeing the fruits of, of those efforts. Um, and I think in the past, a lot of Albion's promising kids were were taken and snaffled by bigger clubs. You know, you think about Izzy Brown, yeah. Jan Danda, um, Matt Smith. Um, there are others as well. Um that have gone on to that that were that were snaffled by I mean Brown so Izzy Brown went to Chelsea, Yandando went to Liverpool, and Matt Smith went to Man City. So they were hoovered up by bigger clubs. Um and and yet, you know, you you look at it now and you look at how many games, first team games those those players have played. Okay, Matt Smith is just playing for Wales, so he's doing quite well and yeah. and Izzy Brown is is had injury problems. Um, but you look at how many first team games those those players have played compared to Sam Field mm. um, or Raheem Harper. Um, you know, actually, I think what the academy coaches and what they're saying to these kids is: if you stay here, you get a chance to play. If you leave, you might not necessarily get that. Now, obviously, the lure of a bigger club is great, and and you could understand why some of these players would want to go and do that. And I think at any level, any player backs themselves. Yeah. But um, I think there is... I think when you see the likes of Raheem Harper you know, making first-team appearances, I think when you see, you know, when you see the likes of Sam Field making first-team appearances, and he, he, he's now... Although he hasn't played much recently, I would I would class him as a senior player now. Yeah. Um, you know, it, that is only inspirational to the... To the the current, you know, the the under eighteens and the kids coming through, the the likes of Morgan Rogers, Finn Azaz, Jamie Sewell, mm-hmm. um, even Louis Barry behind them. These are all very good players. Nathan Ferguson as well, England international or youth international. Sorry, these are all very good players who have a who have a chance of of, of breaking into the first team. And don't be surprised if they are in the team in the next few years. Um, Mark Harrison said recently on this run he wants. Um, to see or he, he can see a future in three or four or five years time when 50% of the first team is made up from homegrown talent mm. and you yeah you can see that I mean you could imagine a midfield of of Field Harper and Edwards okay we don't know what's going on with Raheem Harper's contract situation obviously he's out of contracts at the, at the end of the summer and he's yet to sign a new deal even though there's one on the table so that might be that might not happen but Harper, you know you have Field and Edwards and then others coming coming through the ranks it's a possibility, and it would be it would be great to see. Um, so even though they were outclassed on Monday night mm. by Manchester City, um, I think you've got to remember about where those two academies come from. Um, you had three Barcelona um, academy players who had been taken by Man City in that Man City team. You had a guy uh, from Senegal, a guy from Holland. You know they have cherry picked some of the best talent in the country. Albion, on the other hand, are working local. Um, and it's credit to them that they they pushed them so close and that they even got that far. Mm. Um, you know, I think Man City and you look at Man City, they're also, you know, they're under an embargo. I think they're under embargo, or they they've they've been um, uh, they've been punished for the for the way that they they operate at youth level. Chelsea, of course, have been handed the transfer mm-hmm. transfer man for the way they operate. Liverpool, who are the other finalists in the FA Youth Cup, have also been. Um, under scrutiny and I think they've got a suspended um, ban so you know these academies that are beating Albion are the one you know they're, they're essentially 
not I don't want to say doing it elite no you know not doing it legally or or, or necessarily immorally that but they are doing it in a different way mm. and I think the way that Albion are doing it is um, is very impressive and and there's a lot of people in that academy that are doing a lot of good work from Mark Harrison to Steve Hopcroft to Mike Scott to James Shan to Jamie Sewell to you know sorry to um uh, Jamie Smith to you know to even further down the, the pecking order to the 12s mm. and 16s coaches and and to those that perhaps we don't we're not aware of I mean even Mark Naylor as well the academy goalkeeping coach has been there for years he, he, you know Josh Griffiths who's the under 18s keeper um, has just been called up to the England squad yeah. England under 18 squad I think it was or one of the, one of the youth team squads so you know that was a, that's fantastic as well that that. You know, in in this time of in the last eighteen months, which has been so not all terrible, but it's been l- largely disappointing for Albion fans. Okay, you know they are fourth in the table; they're not fourteenth. But you have a relegation, and then you have you know it didn't it didn't it didn't all go to plan with Darren Moore. I think the academy is is, is something that can be um, can be a positive beacon for supporters and and a sign that the future could be bright. Certainly, and I think um, Albion are almost the epitome of... There's a phrase banded around which is homegrown players, and I think Albion are almost the epitome of that because, as you said, the big clubs like your Man City's, your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, they have got young players who have obviously, you know, were going to develop into amazing talents, but they're not really homegrown as in worked from seven years up at the club. They're not from, not all of them are they locally will have, picked. They, will they, have, they do have a selection. They will have those players. They will have those players amongst their um, group, I think. I don't know if I'm right, but I think Phil Foden might be Manchester Black. Mm. You know, they, they do have, they do have players. It would be wrong to say that they don't have those players because they do. Um, but I, but they do also supplement that with players from abroad and players from elsewhere. And they get them in at 14, 15, 16, and they cherry-pick them from other academies. Albion don't do that. Mm. They don't They don't buy any players... 16, you know, they don't buy any 16-year-olds. No. So, um, it's yeah, it's it's a different way of doing it. Um, and it but but it's just financially speaking, it's, it's the only way they can do it, really. They yeah. can't. They can't be spending transfer funds on, on on youngsters. I mean, you look at what happened with Oliver Burke. You know, he's, they spent a lot of money on on, on potential there, and it hasn't mm-hmm. worked out. So there's nothing. They can't do that. They need to um, develop them these these kids themselves. Yeah, and it's, it is a testament to the academy because other clubs. You look at Brentford's model, for example. They've they've completely ditched their 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 youth setup, so to speak, and they they've just gone to the matter of. Well, we'll pick up players which you know other clubs don't fancy. You know, maybe they've got some potential, and we can earn something from that. And there are other clubs out there who are kind of going down that route as well. So it's a testament to Albion that they have kept this academy going and are producing talent. Yeah, Brentford and Huddersfield are the two that stand out, but they've got very good um, recruitment. I mean, Brentford's recruitment is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, they you just look at um, the players that they've picked up from. Relatively obscure places like Morpai, for example. I think yep. he came from the French second division, and um, another a number of other players that they have then sold on. So their business model is sound. It's, it's, this, this, this is not to say that the way Albion are doing it is the best way. Um, I think Brentford, the way Brentford work is is really is really good, um, and you could argue, although Huddersfield have sort of lost their way in the Premier League with the, with the money that's come with it, mm. the fact that they got there in the first place. Um, 
you know, their recruitment was sound as well but under their previous technical director and when David Wagner was there. So there, this isn't, there are other ways of doing it, but I think in terms of supporters, this is, this is a model that if it does bear fruit in the next five to 10 years, is, re- is one that you can really get behind. You know, mm. You've got people like Sam Field, Albion fan, um, the captain of the under-18s on Monday night, George Harmon. He's a season ticket holder in the Smethwick end. You yeah. know, you've got players like that. Um, and it would be great to get some of them out on the pitch for the first team. So, um, look, I'm not going to criticise other clubs for the way that they do it. Um, and if you've got the financial wherewithal to do it, then fair enough. But... Um, and if you've got that, if you've got the recruitment of, of Brentford, then yeah, crack on. I mean, they've they've done really well. You just look at Norwich as well. Their recruitment strategy has been has been spot on. Mm. Um, so, there's not to say that this is the best way or, or the only way of doing it, but I think it's one that fans um, can get behind in this in this sort of age of football where we are where we live in a you know football is a global game and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there are a number of Albion players from overseas that Albion fans have really taken to. You think mm-hmm. about Paul Shana, Zoltan Gira, um, even Odin Wingy before um, the end of, of his Albion mm-hmm. career. You know, there's nothing. this is nothing sort of nationalistic or tribalistic or anything, but I think you, you can, in, in an era where um, the football club or eight, your football club, not just Albion, but any football club feels quite, can feel sometimes quite detached from the community, mm. um, this is something that can make it feel a bit more like it's, it represents the area. Yeah, certainly. I'd agree with you there. Back to the game, of course, um, Man City under-18s uh, 1-4-2 in the end over West Brom. Certainly, uh, you know, a, a performance to take pride from. Who were, the, who were the Albion players who stood out for you, um, Matt? In, through the whole run as well, not just through this game. Well, on Monday night, I thought Jamie Saul played very well. He's got a really good goal and he held the ball up well. I um, was impressed by him. Um, I thought there were some good performances at the back. Mm. Although they conceded four goals, they actually defended very resolutely. I thought, I actually thought George Harmon played played quite well on the left. Um, I thought um, Nathan Ferguson did well, um, and, I, and I quite like the look of Finn Azaz as well in midfield. Um, he looks he looks like a, a good player. Um, I suppose the the players who were I wouldn't say disappointing, but probably didn't reach their full potential were Rayhan Tullock and Morgan Rogers. Mm. Um, Tullock did nothing seem to come off for him really, um, and Rogers um, made a cup not not poor uh, decision making. It was just again things didn't really come off for him. Yeah, um, and those two players were absolutely brilliant against Everton, mm. particularly Rogers. So. For me, having watched that game, the bar was set quite high, and I was hoping for more. But you know, you've got to remember that Morgan Rogers is sixteen, and he's playing against eighteen-year-olds from Man City's academy. You know, yeah. Um, so, it there different people shot in this game than the Everton game, but it was a different sort of performance. You know, mm. it was a the Everton game was a more free-flowing end-to-end um, game, whereas this was a more backs-to-the-walls defensive performance, and and perhaps that didn't necessarily get the best out of Tullock and Rogers, but. You know they they are very good players those two and 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 those are those are two that I think Albion will be hoping can can um, get into their first team. But yeah, I, I like the look of uh, Finnazaz as well uh, and Jamie Saul. I mean, as a front four, those mm. they are they they are very um, they look potent. Um, 
but it, it was an all-round team performance and that City probably dominated most most of the play, dominated most of the ball um, and, and were, were deserved winners. But mm. Arbin didn't disgrace themselves and um, that, that was quite... It was pleasing. What was pleasing to see was how cohesive the team the team performance was. Yeah, you you see an under eighteen side, and you might expect there to be um, a few positional mistakes and things like that. But they were very well drilled. Mm. So credit to Mike Scott and his team for that as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about that group. Hopefully, we'll see a few of them. Um, you know, break into the first team over the next few years. Yeah, fingers crossed, and a great run for the kids there, right? Back to senior action. Um, let's talk about Friday's game. Matt West Brom three, Birmingham City two. Derby Day win under the lights. Um, does it strengthen Jimmy Shan's position? I think it does. Yes, it does. Um, in fact, I've just um, looked at the statistics um, involved in, in Jimmy Shan's first three games, and look. Although the first half was quite unconvincing mm-hmm. and Albion didn't really start very well, conceding that early goal, um, actually, over the course of the game, they were deserved winners. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had a, a far superior expected goals to, to Birmingham. Um, and that's the first time um, in Shan's tenure that, that that's happened. You know, mm-hmm. I know it's only been three games, but... Swansea, you know, that game was was never 3 0 to Albion. Mm. Oh, you know, um, that, that scoreline flattered them. The Brentford game was a little bit more um, equal, yeah. a little bit more level. Once again, Albion started slowly in the first half, but then played really well second half. Um, but this game, I think, on, on the balance of play overall, you know, I don't remember Sam Johnston making a save. Mm. It, they scored two headers from, from corners. The first one, Brunt lost his man. Yeah. And the second one, Hagazi was off the pitch receiving treatment. And I think that scuppered them. Um, apart from that, you know, Albion did, Albion played okay. Um, and particularly in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that's a good thing to see. Um, but they need to, they need to fix this, um, this sort of tendency to start start slowly which they, they seem to be doing a lot particularly at home um, and that will be the next big thing for Jimmy Shan to fix yeah I mean what do you think is behind that is it just a mentality thing is it something where the players are almost they've got to warm themselves up into the game it, it seems an odd thing because it seems to happen a fair bit for Albion I think moment. it's I think it's probably to do with with um, the idea or the notion that look we are probably favourites to win this game. Yeah. Um, in the majority of these cases, so don't rush yourselves. Don't you know? Take your time. Be patient. You've got lots of time to win this game. Mm. Um, be nice and calm and composed. But I think actually what that does is that means that in the first twenty minutes, the opposition is more has more intensity than Albion. Yeah. I think they have. They show a more you know, they, they they always seem to start brighter and I think it's because they come flying out the blocks whereas Albion sort of want to go a bit more not softly softly but almost we've got we've got the quality our quality will tell eventually but I think actually what maybe what they should do is is, is look at trying to replicate what others are doing and just come flying out the blocks and then, yeah. and, and, and if they can you know not you know obviously blitz teams if you can but 
put the put the opposition on the back foot straight away because this always seems to be them that gets on the back foot mm. um, and then they have to slowly work their way into the game like I said that's the next thing for, for Jimmy Shan to, to fix you know it's a strange situation that we're in managerially um, essentially um, Jimmy is uh, first team coach in caretaker charge uh, indefinitely until the board see fit to change mm. so they're not going to confirm that he's got it to the end of the season because I think there's seven games to go. Now, what if he, you know, what if they, if you say Shan's got it to the end of the season and then all of a sudden they lose three games in a row, yeah, then you're in trouble and you have to rethink. So, um, and, you know, I don't think we should forget that the the, the performances, although I think they've got better as each game's gone on, I think, you know, the Brentford get performance was better than the Swansea performance and the Birmingham performance was better than the Brentford performance. So that's a that's a good that's a good trend to have that things are getting better, um, but I don't think I you know they haven't been completely convincing, particularly that Swansea mm. game and particularly the first half in, against Brentford and, and and Blues. So I think there was an element of that as well. You know, if they had been blitzing teams, then maybe he would have been given it to the end of the season. But at the moment, it's game by game. Um, I also wonder whether there's you know an element of well, let's wait and see what happens over at Preston. If Preston fall away now, they lost mm. to Reading. Um, you know, if they completely bomb out of the um, playoff picture, then there might be a way of getting Alex Neal out of there before the the season ends. But he insists it, it, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. He's got no intentions of leaving Preston, but Albion are known to, are known to be admirers of him. So I think it's quite a fluid situation. It's in flux. It's quite strange for it to be like that. Um, but I suppose the feeling is, look, if this is working, um, then carry on. You know. Uh, it seems, from what I gather, the mood at the training ground is, is, is buzzing at the moment. You know, they've mm. they've just won three games on the bounce. Um, it's it's the it equals the longest winning streak of the season. If they go and beat Millwall on Saturday, it'll be their longest winning streak. So, um, but I think there is a there is a an acknowledgement that Jimmy Shan is is inexperienced and, mm-hmm. and handing him the reins for sure until the end of the season. Um, may actually do more, not more harm than good, because that's unfair on, on Shan. But it, you know, it may halt this um, this upturn um, before it before it gets going. Um, look, we'll wait and see. But um, at the moment, um, that's where we are. <laughs> it's it's odd, um, but certainly I th- at this point in the season, it seems. I think it just seems to be that they're, they're leaving themselves wiggle room to. The board essentially are leaving themselves with a room to to make a change if they need to, to bring mm. someone in if they need to, or if they don't need to, just to keep Jimmy here and, um, and keep him going. I think if they get to the playoffs, or if it looks like they're reaching the playoffs, they're going to need to bring in an experienced coach to help him see that out. He's even acknowledged that himself. Yeah, um, you know, he said, "Look, the, myself, Dion Burton." Jamie Smith and Mark Harrison, the, the four people that are, are currently working with the first team. We've got a lot of experience of coaching, but we've got very limited experience coaching first team at senior level. So, mm. we, you know, I, he, I think he would welcome some experience. Um, although I think he's also quite happy with what he's got at the moment and how it's going at the moment. But there will come a stage where we'll reach the business end and the playoffs, probably the playoffs, unless they can worry the top two. But that's still... That still might be out the, out the, out of their range at the moment, mm. um, where they might need to bring in someone. And um, I think I think Shan will be offered two coaches, from what I gather, yeah. or two spots to fill. 
and um, there'll be discussions between the board and, and Jimmy but I don't nothing's going to happen this week I don't think I think mm. they'll, they'll carry on as they are for now um, and we'll wait and see um, like I said it's very it's a very odd situation it's in flux and you know the board are leaving themselves open to criticism if it goes wrong yeah um, but at the moment they've won three games out of three so I suppose <laughs> If it ain't broke, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's that seems to be the mantra. But um, yes, it's one of those. It, it's 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 if 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 things do go wrong, then all of a sudden, um, I think the reaction will be very different um, because yeah, they're, 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 they've not they've not see it seems like they've not made a decision. Although the decision seems to be well, we'll we'll carry on with Shannon until you know until unless form completely nosedives yeah um, so they've left themselves some wiggle room one man who I don't think has too much wiggle room with referees nowadays is Jay Livermore um, could have had his own little too good too bad section from the game really because he scores an absolute stunner to win it but um, he could have got dropped himself in a little bit of trouble I, I'd imagine by now you would have heard something where there's going to be some retrospective action for what happened but it didn't look great on camera it didn't look great on camera and um, it's it was a silly thing to do, I think, when you've already been sent off twice this season for violent conduct. Yeah. That would have been a five-game ban. Um, if, 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 it, if the ref had deemed it, deemed it violent conduct. Um, look, I think it was Morrison. I think it was Michael Morrison who, yeah. who, who, who tripped Gale in the first place and, and Livermore was getting some retribution. But you can't do that. I mean, he just he stops middle of the pitch, yeah. turns around and kicks it. I know. I mean, it was a feisty old game because... One of my favourite—I don't want to say favourite moments because I don't want to condone it—but when when Chris Brunt <laughs> at the very end booted uh, Gary Gardner, I mean that was that was that's not far off. I said. I mean that yeah, that was that was not a tackle. That <laughs> was it. No, that it was, was just a kick. But um, yeah, look, as we said, I think in the video afterwards in the Premier League, I think those two might be closer to red cards in the championship but mm. under the night under the night lights in a derby maybe not but um yeah it, it would livermore's got to be careful but you, you reckon know. he got sucked into that derby atmosphere a little bit too much well against blackburn when he when he wrestled um the player to the floor um he definitely it was definitely frustration boiling over because mm. albin were losing that game he'd just come off the bench he obviously wanted to try something and then the, the player skipped past him and he just wrestled him to the floor I think he does have uh, a temper, you know. Um, yeah. I don't think he would. I don't think he would uh, um, disagree with that. Um, and he, it's about keeping it in check, you know. Mm. Um, look, he hasn't. He's he's not James McLean. You know, <laughs> so he, he's not. He's not completely volatile, um, but he is prone to these moments, mm. um, and he needs to, if he can. Um, yeah, try and try and just uh, keep it in check every now and then. I mean. It, it, yeah, it, it, it was a silly thing to do and hopefully it, he won't do it again. Yeah, fingers crossed he doesn't, especially not when TV cameras are there. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we had the Dwight Gale incident, didn't we, where mm. the TV cameras did not come to Albion's aid that, that, at that time because um, he, he got punished retrospectively. Correctly so, Yeah, um, it has to be said, but you know, you do wonder whether that would have been picked up where was, was that game on, if that game wasn't on TV. Um, but this time, as I said, it seems like um, we're on we're at Tuesday now, and I don't I haven't seen anything from the FA, so I don't think they're, uh, they're looking at it. No, fingers crossed. Um, he's got away with that one. 
Um, although I don't condone don't condone their behaviour. Um, it's a good segue for Dwight Gale though, because we saw him get back into the goals. Yes, fantastic, and the, the the relief on his on his face as well when he scored. I think that proves how much that that little drought had been playing on his mind, especially mm. after he missed a, a great chance to to head Albin uh, level at the end of the first half. So mm. um, yeah, great to see him back amongst goals. Now I think this will spark a little run. Yeah, uh, as I said last week on the podcast, I, I fancy him to. I fancied him to score on on Friday, and I fancy it to spark a little bit of a run. I think I think Gale through the middle looks good. I like the runs in behind that he makes. I'm going to go more direct. Yeah, I, I think I think we could see a few more goals coming from the boots of Mr. Gale. Perfect time as well. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it now. Absolutely. Um, and then of course we saw J Rod round it off. Um, I tell you what. I can take a penalty, can't he? He can take a penalty. About seven from seven, and I think considering Sam Johnson saved, is it four from five, or it might even be five from six? Well, they've done well with his penalties. They've done very well with penalties this season. Um, yeah, fair play to Joe Rodriguez that that he sticks him away, um, and he normally, I think, he normally does go the other way. Mm. Uh, I think he this time he, he sort of faked to go that way and, and put it in the other corner. So um, yeah, he's. I mean, you back him, don't you? If you've got a spot kit, you back yeah. him. I fair, you know. I, if we get to the playoff situation and there's a spot kick, I, I'm, you've got to have confidence in, in, in Rodriguez to pull it away. Was it who would be the Albion player you'd m- most back out of any out of any Albion team you've covered? If you had to put your life savings, your house, on an Albion player to score a penalty, would it be J Rod? Or would it be someone um, else? I don't know whether it would actually. Funnily enough, I was watching today. Um, a video I think the club put up of, of Chris Brunt scoring two penalties against Liverpool and he absolutely leathers them into the corner. <laughs> and Brunt has got that, almost that, um, I mean, there's a famous penalty from Kevin Pressman, the goalkeeper, where he essentially just takes a goal kick yeah. and it goes into the stanchion. Um, I think Brunt has got that that sort of left left foot. I mean, he strikes the ball so, so cleanly mm. um, and he's so used to taking set pieces and dead ball situations. I actually think Bront would be a good penalty um, taker. Um, look, I'm sure he's missed a few down the, down the years as well, and I'm, sh- I'm sure Rodriguez has. Um, I've, but it's probably out of those, maybe out of those two, um, for, for the teams I've covered. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, it's different. You know, in, in terms of Albion, Albion history, um, I don't know. I mean. I, Super Bob, maybe I don't know, yeah. but um, yeah, I think uh, Rodriguez seven from seven this season is, is nothing to be sniffed at. You know, what else could take a penalty. Gareth Barry, back in his Villa days, he used to. I mean, he's either one who scores it and it looks great because he goes roof of the net, but when he misses them, he misses them bad. Yeah, the left footers like to ping him, don't they? So if it goes to penalties at Wembley, uh, who's the five? I suppose it'd be Rodriguez. Rodriguez first. Gale. Gale. Brunt. Brunt. Barry. If Barry's on. If Barry's on. Then who do you go for? Who do you take? Because the fifth one can be vital as well. Um, do you play it by Dawson? Dawson. 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 I'll tell you what, Dawson took penalties for, I think it was England on the 21s. Oh, really? I think it was England. It was either that or the um, Team GB side. I think it might be England, England youth side. Dawson can take a penalty. Who's the keeper who can take a penalty? I'm sure there's a keeper. I think, could it be Sam Johnston? Uh, I'm sure there was a goalkeeper who took one for the, for the England under twenties or something, uh, and it was a couple of years ago. It might it may well have been sometimes. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'm not sure about that. 
Was but it there not, was a keeper who can actually... Was I mean, it not could, Pickford? It could have been. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. But yeah, I, th- I would, I would, I'd have Dawson in there because he's taken penalties before. Um, who else would you have? Uh, if, would you have like if, Matt Phillips? If Phillips was on the pitch, yes, I probably would. Um, you need people that are mentally strong, don't you? Yeah. Um, I don't I'm, know. It's, it's the worrying ones for me are like not just because he's a low knee, but say say someone like Jacob Murphy or Jefferson Montero. I'm not entirely sold on a winger taking a penalty. And I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure why. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'd almost prefer Hagazi. I feel like Hagazi would just go up there and and, mm. and roll it into the bottom corner. Yeah. I I mean, maybe I've been scarred by you too need many to be, England penalty shootouts. You essentially need to be confident, don't you? Yeah. You need to be completely confident and sure where you're going, and that's it. Um, and and wingers, wingers are confidence players, aren't they, a, mm. a lot. So if they're down on their luck, they've had a good game, they're probably yeah. fine. But if they're down on their luck a little bit, then maybe not. But... Uh, yeah, if I played to Rodriguez, he'd probably be first on the list, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, certainly he would be. So three wins from three. Um, James Sean, look, I mean, it's looking all great for him at the moment. But then yesterday we saw the bookies slash the odds on uh, one Sam Allardyce. It went from down from twenty-five to one to about five to two at one point. Yeah, odds on, wasn't it, at one stage? Yeah, I mean, where on earth did that come from? Well, obviously, somebody somewhere has has, has touted it as a possibility. And there's been a flurry of bets, and the bookmakers have reacted. Mm. Um, now, from my understanding, is that Albion are not looking at Sam Allardyce at the moment. Um, although there was an element of me that that, that thinks it, it could make some sort of sense to have him till the end of the season. Mm. A experienced manager plays a pragmatic style um, that would probably suit the these players. Um, Matches the style of manager we mentioned last week. I think the I think the the issue would be a how much he would want and b he would probably want assurances that if he did take the club up he would he would stay mm. um, as manager. Um, and is that the route Albion want to go down? Does never not, normally ends well with otherwise does it? Not sure. Um, I don't. I don't think. You know. I think. We might be a bit too close to the Pulis era to, to for that appointment. I don't know if it would go down very well with the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, as I said, uh, it's my understanding that he's not he's not in the running for the job. Um, but obviously, somebody somewhere um, thought it was a possibility, uh, and there was either a flurry of bets or, or, or one very massive bet yeah. that uh, caused such a such a. Um, a movement in the betting market. I mean, Allardyce has come out this morning and said that he's not had a, a, any approach from, from West Brom. And he also, um, he's confirmed that. And he also said that um, that the sacking of Darren Moore was strange mm. and he was surprised by it. Now, if if you're a manager who is in talk with the board um, about a new job, you probably don't criticise that board for no. their previous decision to sack the manager and you're probably thinking I can get a better tune out of these players so mm. I, Allardyce I, he's, I don't think he's in the running um, so you know um, it, although he did sort of leave the door open to an approach I, I, I think he leaves the door to pretty much any job at, at, this, at this stage in time look, things can change in football we, you, you know it can make a fall out of everybody but at this stage in time um, he's not in the running so um Obviously, some, uh, but there was obviously some sort of um, activity on Monday that that somebody's you know someone somewhere obviously obviously touted the possibility and that's why we saw a massive movement in the yeah. market. Almost struck me as an April Fool's. 
Did you see? Worse, did you see Fulham? By the way, oh, it was embarrassing. What did they do in April Fools? Yeah. What was it? So right, nineteenth in the table with what seventeen points going yeah. down. Yeah. They announced, uh, I think it was around ten o'clock in the morning, that they'll be the first club to uh, have double-digit numbers for all kit numbers. They did a video. They did pictures of Sessignon and Mitrovic wearing zero three zero nine on the back. <laughs> I mean, when you're in that position in the table, you don't be doing no. Oh, I think it's quite funny. Oh, I don't know. They got some. Yeah. They got some heat on Twitter. I suppose the, the, the fans probably wouldn't enjoy that. Can you, imagine, can you imagine Albion doing that on the relegation season? Yeah, probably not. Oh, that would go down like a lead balloon. Yeah, and also there, there are wider problems at Fulham because the, the supporters are, compl- are currently protesting about their prices, which are scandalous. So, yeah, I'd, I, don't, I, don't, I can see why that probably didn't go down <laughs> too well. Yeah, steer clear of that one next time, maybe. Um, another point, uh, on Sunday, Darren Moore put himself across incredibly well on uh, goals on Sunday, I thought. Yeah, um, so Darren Moore has, has broken his silence and, and, and basically said that he was surprised by the sacking as well, um, like everyone else, he said. Um, which, I mean, whether that's the case or not, um, only he knows, but I mean, that would that would be odd mm. if he was surprised by it. Um, you know, I think he probably did feel a bit of the pressure um, towards the end. Um but yeah, he, he you know he, he basically said hopefully he's given the, the club a platform to go on, and, and you know he's very close friends with Jimmy Shannon. I'm sure he's been in touch with, with him and, and wished him luck. I mean, you know Darren is um, it, it doesn't seem to have let the uh, the, the season change him. And, no. I, and I, what I, the, the one thing that I did like to hear was him was him say that he'll learn from it and and, and try and take that experience and move on to to something else and. I hope he does. I really hope he does learn from this experience, and you know the the errors that he made um, at at Albion. I hope he doesn't make them again, and I hope he does get a job at, at elsewhere if that's what he wants to do. Mm. Um, and it would be great if, if if he could go on to be a successful manager. It'd be it'd be fantastic. So, yeah, good luck to him in the future. And you know, he's, he's he is a gent. Um, that, that's that's one thing that you could you could never uh, take away from him. He's a lovely bloke. And um, uh, you know, even in in my sort of minor dealings with him since the sacking and 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 whatnot, he's he's been he's been very very. Um, you know, very kind, and mm. I, th- I just think he's yeah. He's, as I've said, as, I, as I've said before in this podcast, I, I think in some ways it, it's 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 good that his relationship with the fans did not deteriorate to to a point where yeah. he was remembered more for for that rather than for who he is. So uh, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully he um, he get he does he does well wherever he goes. Yeah, um, should have given an interview to us though first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been a decent one, wouldn't it? Um, right, let's go into questions real quick. Uh, Paul Harris asked the first one: um, If it is Sean until the end of the season, when is it likely that an assistant will one be confirmed or two be brought in at all? Really seems a very uh, blasé attitude by the board all over this. Do you really think they're even planning for the summer as of yet? Yes, um, they are planning for the summer. I think they are planning. I don't think it's blasé. I think it's. Um, I know it looks like that from the outside, but I think they are. You know, they are trying to manufacture the best way of going up. 
Um, you know, they, they took a brave decision to sack Darren Moore mm-hmm. when the team were fourth. And what they've seen so far has encouraged them to, to leave to leave it as it is. Um, I think in terms of the new coach, I don't think we're going to see one this week. I think maybe not even next week. He's got a midweek game with Bristol City. Mm. Um, but there will come a time, as I said earlier, that, that, that I think they're going to need to give him a helping hand. Um, if if he continues to, to, to remain in the post in, in, until the playoffs. Certainly. Uh, Callum Haywood, who is out of contract at the end of the season? And of those, uh, of those, sorry, who do you anticipate will be leaving? Well, the big one is Rakeem Harper. Yeah. Um, he's the one that, you know, there's an offer on the table. He's yet to sign. You know, is it, the longer it goes on, the more you think he might leave. And, and also the more you think he might be waiting to see what league... Albin are in who the manager is whether they like him he will have offers from elsewhere that, mm. that will be a given um, so he's the big one there are others of course like such as James Morrison Gareth Barry um, who else is there off the top of my head um, I can't remember there are a few others and mm. uh, and of course, there's all the loanees yeah. that need to be that need to be sorted out, whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to go back to their parent clubs. Uh, Derek Bolton, what's happened to Gibbs? He's got a hip injury. Um, I think it's the same hip injury that ruled him out for a couple of games. Uh, I think it was back in October. Mm. Um, you know, Gibbs has actually played quite a lot of games for Albion, considering at Arsenal he was quite injury prone. Yeah, he was known to be quite injury prone, wasn't he? And mm. um, He's he's been quite reliable to be fair to for Albion, but yeah, he's got a hip injury that um I think last week against Blues, um a couple of things. First of all, they were aware that, you know, this Millwall game kicks off a, a run of six games in twenty two days. Mm. It is a hectic period. You don't want to risk anyone getting injured for that period, because um, you're gonna need your squad. You know, they've got midweek games coming up. Um and I think also Connor Townsend has improved um, dramatically and I thought he was brilliant against Blues to be fair to him yeah. um, doesn't necessarily deserve to lose his place I mean he was um, a bit ropey at the uh, towards the start of the season um, I thought he was okay against Swansea I thought he was first half against Brentford he was a, he looked a bit shaky but second half he looked a lot better and then against Blues I was really impressed so mm. um, I think it was just a matter of well Townsend's doing a, a good enough job at the moment we don't need to rush Gibbs back and we might need him for this um, this this busy period so hopefully he'll be okay but yeah like I say he's got a hip injury Do you think it's a matter now where Albion look at the league table and they think well we're not I mean we might challenge for the top two but well, we're not dropping out of the playoffs do we do we make sure everyone's fit and firing for when the games really matter? Well, you can't be. I mean, you can't take anything for granted at all. So you can't take. I know they're a long way off seventh, and I know they they they've got them. It would take a massive blow up mm. for them to not finish in the top six. But you can't take anything for granted the way that some of the teams below them are playing. Yeah. You know, Villa, um, our Bristol City now going to go on a run after that win against Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. Our Derby now going to go on a run now that Mason Mount has has come back. You know, they, you can't. You can't rule out those teams, mm. um, and if three, if those three, talking of those three, go on a run, then Albion could they could overhaul Albion if Albion aren't aren't with it. Yeah. The other the other factor is well, let's look up rather mm. than down. 
six points off the top two. Um, were it not for Pablo Hernandez's goal um, against Millwall, his late winner, yeah. it would have been four points. Mm. Now, um, if Albion keep winning and keep winning, um, then they could worry that top two. Yeah. Um, you know, I said I've said before until they start dropping points, I'm yet to, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced. Um, but the weekend was interesting. Mm. You had. Sheffield United dropping points against, you know, losing to Bristol City. Yeah. And you had Leeds. Okay, they beat Millwall, but they were given a mighty scare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think Albion just need to look after themselves. And if they can keep winning games, um, you never know. I still think it's a, it's a very unlikely scenario. Yeah. But why not look up? Why not, why not have that ambition? And James Shan has that ambition. That's another thing that's going for him. You know, he's quite clearly stated... We win every game. We've got a chance. Mm-hmm. Let's just go and win every game. And it's easier said than done, of course. Yeah. But there seemed to be, I think against Blues, there was, even when they went 2-1 down, there was almost like a a, a determination to get back into the game. It was yeah. like, a, oh, come on. We, we are better than this. We, we should be winning this game. And they went up and, and, and played a bit more direct and scored a couple of goals. So we were, you know, we'll wait and see how it pans out. But um, I think they're looking up rather than down. Yeah, so you never see a sign of panic, I don't think, in that Albion squad at the moment. Um, well, I don't know about that. Well, panic, do. I mean, when you go down and you think, oh, God, we're not going to win this game. Do no, you know I don't mean? think they're out of games when they when they fall behind, because they fall behind so regularly. But, um, I, you know, I do think that it's not like they're comprehensively beating teams either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... It's not like they're playing other sides off the park and looking really ominous, but... You know, if, yeah. if they keep winning games, they keep winning games. Conrad Cherkov asks, um, how many of those youngsters you saw yesterday may potentially form part of the Albion first team, not necessarily the first 11, if we don't get promoted? So next season? Yeah. Well, I think it might be a bit early for a couple of them. I, I mean, I imagine um, Rayhan Tullock might be in around the, the squad a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um you never know. Jamie Sewell, Finazaz, I think it's a bit early for Morgan Rogers, although he's very good. Uh, Nathan Ferguson. Um, but I think it's a bit it's a bit early. Mm. They probably they might need another another year or two. Um, it might be time for them to go out on loan. Yeah. Um, that would be my my thinking. Is it, is it time to get them uh, to get them to a League One club and see how they see how they fare? Yeah. Richard Bromley, um, what's the situation with Gareth Barry? Um, he has got a well, he's been carrying a knee problem all pretty much all season. Mm. He's been playing through it. Um, and I think James Shan just prefers Chris Brunt in that in that holding role. Yeah, I think it, it's partly it's partly to do with that knee problem, but it's partly to do with that. I think I think Shan just prefers Brunt in there, um, and I suppose based on you know. The last few games, although we lost his man against Blues, I mean it has it has worked. So mm. um, Brunt was given man of the match by Sky. I noticed on Friday, yeah. it wasn't my man of the match. I thought Townsend and uh, Higazi played well, but Brunt's deliveries from set pieces were crucial, and he mopped up play well in the second half, particularly in midfield. So um, yeah, he's 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 enjoying it, and yes, another renaissance. And um, I just I just think Barry's not. In the in the team at the moment, mm. Dan Nash. Um, this is an interesting one. Where's Jefferson Montero gone? And in hindsight, except for Holgate, who has been excellent, 
was Albion's overall January transfer business a little bit poor? I think Montero's just not been picked. Um, I don't think he's very fit. I don't necessarily think he... I think he still could be a good impact sub. Mm-hmm. But I think when you've got Carl Edwards doing the business, you'd probably rather have him. Um, um, I think in terms of the January transfer business, I I have been disappointed with, with Johansson. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more from him. Do you reckon just the lack of games has, has I think killed so. him this season a little I bit? I think so, yeah. Um, Jacob Murphy, it seems like a typical winger, blows hot and cold. He scored a couple of goals. Um, I really liked, i tell you what about Jacob Murphy that I really liked was at the end of Friday's game when mm. it was a cross to the back post and it looked like it would be giving Birmingham City a chance where he stretched every sinew in his body to clear that ball. And I know... I know that's the least you expect, but he does seem to be on board, even mm. though he's not playing. You know, he's not. It doesn't seem to be because the concern is of someone like that is that they would just. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting involved then. If, if if I'm not playing, you know, I came down here to give you give you a help. But if I'm not playing, then why should I bother? Mm. Um, but he that doesn't seem to be the case. So, um, and I do think he he has got. He has got a, a role to play, particularly now we've got lots of fixtures coming up. You know, I could see Murphy and Edwards rotating on that right hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yes, I understand what you said. I don't think it was necessarily the the, the brilliant business that's going to slingshot Al into promotion that everyone thought it was going to be um, when on that on that January on that January deadline day when it, when it was widely heralded as a massive success mm. um, Holgate has been the pick um, but I don't necessarily think it, it, I think I don't necessarily think you should write off Jacob Murphy I think he could still have an impact yeah. um, towards the end of the season alright we've got a couple more questions we've had so many good ones come in it's, it's, uh, if you do if you do get one which doesn't get read out we do apologise but we will get around to them in future episodes um, C Hawthorne's asked would West Brom be better in the hands of an Albion consortium, real Albion people through and through, who would run it as a football club, club not necessarily as a business. In theory, yes, but the um, what it boils down to is um, finances. Yeah. So, um, if that consortium had the financial backing to put money into the club, then yes. I understand the argument that actually it would be great for such a consortium to run it. If, if Grouch Online isn't going to put any money in, then why, do, why don't you just have it run by the fans who don't put any money in? Mm. Isn't that better? Yeah. Um, and I can, I, can, I can get that argument. Um, but there has there has to be some. I think it's quite an idealistic idea, and there has to be some people um, with experience or business um, sense or, or experience of running a football club involved. Um, I'm not saying that, that that those people aren't out there. They probably are, and they may they may well be. But um, the reality is it's going to take you 
however many millions to, to cough up the cash and then to, to buy it off Grouch on Lie. Um, look, if they, if Albion don't go up in the next two or three seasons, there may come a situation where Grouch on Lie needs wants to sell because um, if he doesn't want to pump any more money in, um, you know the Championship is a league where the owners foot the bill and mm. they and they they put they pump money in. Um, year on year to try and get to the promised land if Lai doesn't want to do that maybe he'll be looking for buyers mm. um, whether such a consortium could be set up would be set up I don't know um, but if I was uh, if I was wealthy um, and one of the last things that I would pump my money into would be a championship football club yeah it's not. It's not a wise investment, is it? I personally don't think so, um, because it's unlike any other business. You have. It, it's it's unique and mm. it's very easy for things to go wrong. Um, so yeah, I I I don't know. I don't know, but um, I understand the the argument that if look if if you're going to have a an absent owner from China who isn't going to engage or isn't going to put any money into the club, then what, what's the point? Yeah. You may as well have fans running it who aren't, who aren't going to, or who, 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 who are un, unable to put money into the club. Yeah. But the problem will be prizing that asset and that 88% majority stake out of, out of uh, his hands. There you go. If you took anything from that answer, just take that Matt Wilson, if he wins the Euro Millions, will not be investing in West Bromwich Albion. If I win the Euro Millions, you will never hear from me ever again. <laughs> oh, it makes me a little bit sad, mate. <laughs> um, Matt McFarlane, um, two hypothetical questions for you. Um, in your opinion, Matt, which of the players excluding loans and Rondon would be most likely to leave if we don't go up? But also, which loan signing would be most likely to sign permanently even if we're still in the Championship? So the first one was excluding Rondon and Burke. And loans, sorry. Which players Who would, would be, be most likely to leave if we don't go up? I think probably uh, Rodriguez, Dawson, Phillips. Could you see Gibbs going? Gibbs. Those would be the four probably. Um, mm. Livermore signed a new deal. He could potentially go, but I think he'd probably stay. Um, but I think if particularly if Burnley was still in the Premier League and still wanted him I think Rodriguez mm. um, I think if anybody wanted Dawson um, I think he could be sold um, Gibbs would probably be sold Phillips would probably be sold um, Could you see a Prem team maybe coming in for Gazi? I think he's done very well this season I could yeah I could um, not necessarily him wanting He's been one of Albion's better players, actually, Higazi, this season. He yeah. really has. He's been one of their most consistent performers. So they, 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 they might field offers for him as well. Um, but what it depends on is how much they get for Rondon and Burke. Because yeah. Burke obviously wants to, to leave Albion and join Celtic. Now, does, I don't know whether Celtic will, will want to make it permanent. I think it depends on how the rest of his loan goes. And what sort of cash they'd offer? Would Albion take it? He's got three years left in his contract. He's a fifty million pound player. Look, okay, he's not probably not worth fifteen million pounds, but that's what they spent on him. I don't see Celtic offering anywhere near do, that. No, they're not going to offer that. Absolutely not. But do, do, you know, what do you do with Burke? Do you cut your losses, mm. or do you say no? Actually, you've got some game time at Celtic. We want you back in our in our first team squad. We think you've we've we can now trust you a little bit more in the championship, and we can we can get you going. Mm. Or 
Um, you just cut your losses and say, yeah, we'll take five, six, whatever it is, whoever offers it, and we'll move on. Um, in terms of Rondon, I think you're probably going to get to a situation where gonna, if they don't go up, he'll probably be snapped up for six, 16 and a half million, or someone will probably try trigger that. Um, the only issue you've got is that he would prefer to go to Newcastle. And will Newcastle trigger that? Uh, for, a player who's, situation. for a player who's 30, very messy situation there. So don't know about that one. Remains to be seen. Can you strike a deal with him in terms of with Newcastle in terms of getting Dwight Gale to come the other way? Does Gale want to do that? Do another season in championship? Um, in terms of the loanees, I, I think you've got quite a few that we're probably thinking they would be helping Albion win promotion. Yeah. Um, I think Gale probably feels that he's proved himself in the championship and would like to play Premier League football. Yeah. I think he he was hoping. I think he would. I think he'd be open to staying at Albion. I think he likes it here, but I think he was hoping that it would it would be promotion and he would be leading the line for Albion in the Premier League. Mm. Um, I think Mason Holgate probably feels that he's a Premier League player. Um, you know, I'd, I'm not sure about the, the new boys. You know, Mur- Murphy and and uh, Johansson. I think. From what I gather, Johansson was quite quite eager to come on a permanent deal from Fulham um, because I think he was pretty annoyed with how he was treated there. Um, Considering Fulham are going back down, though, you've got but, to think they're going to sell players. Maybe he comes back. Fulham are going back down. You know, maybe he, he, he goes back there. Um, Jacob Murphy is he? I don't think Benitez is convinced he's a Premier League player. He could potentially stay. Uh, Montero. I don't know whether he's done enough to convince Albion to, to want to get keep him permanently. Mm. Um, and Tosin Adarabio, I think he's probably on too much money at the moment for Albion to to entertain that. So mm. um, if he was, if he, you know, I don't if his contract, I don't think his contract's up in the summer at Manchester City. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. So um, you know, I, 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 I imagine he'll go back to Man City um, mm. or go on loan somewhere else, or even. Could head back on loan again, maybe. Or could come back to Albion on loan. Um, but yeah, it, there's a lot of uncertainties and a lot of it depends on what division Albion are in. Um, but if they stay down, then it's going to be a very busy and very interesting summer. Certainly will be. Right, Millwall versus West Brom this weekend, Matt. Traditionally a tough place to go. Um, gave Leeds a hell of a game over the weekend. Um, but they are struggling this season. Do you see another win? I do, I do. I know, I know the Den's very difficult place to go. I know Millwall are tough nut to crack at home. I know um, they gave Leeds a massive run for the money on on Saturday, but I just feel like Albion are on getting slowly but surely on a little bit of a roll, and I think that this might suit them. Mm. Um, they're not trying to play out from the back anymore. They're not trying to play passing football. They will go. Um, almost knuckle to knuckle with Millwall and mm-hmm. they will fight them and look, Millwall are a physical side but Albion can be physical too yeah. Dawson Higazi even Holgate Livermore. Uh, Livermore there are some absolute rotters in that team who are willing to fight so I think um, and then when you go further forward you've got the quality of Dwight Gale and yeah. you know he'll be capable of nipping in front you know in and out of any defence so I just, I just, I do fancy them. I think they might make it four on the spin. Um, you know, I'd probably be proved completely wrong, and they'll probably yeah. end up losing. But um, and I'd, I'd, 
for some reason, I just think that um, I think I think they're in a good mood at the training ground, and I think I think they'll probably do the business. Any changes? I think um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Morrison drop out. Um, Didn't have the best of it, did he? First half, no, and um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see how Robson Carnu start. Mm. You know, I thought he was quite impressive on on the weekend uh, against Blues, and I think that that sort of physical presence is something you need against Millwall. So yeah. um, I wouldn't be uh, surprised just to see that that almost that team that started the second half um, play um, against Millwall. Um, it was it was it was like a four four two, but four five one because Robson kind of was almost sort of out wide right, but he was they were clipping long balls up to him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Give me a score prediction to finish up then. I think it will be two one to the Albion. One nil for me. One nil to the Albion. Yeah, four wins on the bounce. One of the form sides in the league, right alongside Norwich and Aston Villa. I'm about to say. Your boys are going very well, aren't they? They're going well at the moment, but they're just giving us hope. That's all they're doing. <laughs> they'll, they'll finish seventh, guarantee it. No, they won't. They'll finish They'll finish fifth. No, fingers crossed they can do, but more fingers crossed for the Albion, considering we're hosting an Albion po- uh, podcast at the moment. Uh, let's hope they can get three points against Millwall, but until then, up the Albion. <laughs>